What? <laughs> Sorry, my mom's distracting me again. Your mom's doing like she's sitting, pose. She's, <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's resting her back. <laughs> I thought she was like gonna be, gonna be Miss well, you're, June. You're resting <laughs> your back and looking good, mom. Yeah, we got. <laughs> I mean, what is a podcast if you can't heckle your own mom while you're doing it? <laughs> Hi, we're Kara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that is rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is season two, episode 11, and it's a beautiful day. Yeah, it is. Uh, Gosh, 11 episodes in season two already? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, our um, our podcast has been coming along really nicely, so it's kind of exciting. It is exciting, yes. Yes, and uh, we want to say thank you to everyone who's been checking out our Patreon page and considering becoming supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to check that out, you can go to www.patreon.com slash pushfitness. I will put that in our show notes so that you can go check it out for yourself. We have lots of cool things on there. There's um, different levels of membership. They're all very affordable and you get freebies and goodies with each one that you do. So go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And we're actually going to be doing something a little different today um, that I'm really excited about. Uh, We are going to start having guests on our podcast. Mm -hmm. And so as part of uh, the process of bringing on some guests, we are actually going to interview each other for the next couple podcasts. So you can get to know us a little bit better um, and get to know the story. And then if uh, you know someone who you think needs to be on this podcast, you should definitely send us an email and let us know so that we can talk to them and um, interview them too. Yes. You can email us at info at thepushfitness.com. I'm laughing because Cara made fun of me for saying the instead of the. Yeah. You could also email us at info at thepushfitness.com. <laughs> I've heard it both ways. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we, uh, this has been kind of a busy but fun weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, over this weekend, uh, we had Oliver over for his first sleepover. First ever. And he did wonderful, and everybody had a lot of fun. I think that uh, Oliver Oliver's used to being the youngest, mm-hmm. and <laughs> there were two babies that thought he was just the cat's meow and followed him around everywhere. Yep. Got a little bit of his own medicine I don't there. think he liked that part as much. But uh, yeah, that was fun. And then 
Saturday, our families met up at the lake and it was great. Mm -hmm. So, so, so fun. Lots of swimming, a little bit of kayaking, lots of sun. Yes. Now here's the thing. Like I have a, um, I have a fear of open water. Lakes are a little bit more comfortable for me because I can see the perimeter um, and you know, the water's just lapping. It's not current. Um, but I was a little bit nervous to swim across the lake and I was a little bit nervous to jump in, but uh, there was this moment where I was like, you know what, let's do it. And Cara grabbed my hand and we jumped in together mm -hmm. and it was wonderful. It was like a special moment. It was. Hand holding, jumping off the end of a dock. It's just kind of a thing. Yeah. I wish we would have gotten a picture. So we'll have to recreate it sometime. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll stage it. <laughs> now that I know that I can do it, I will do it again. Yes. Yes. That'll be fun. And then last night you had my son over for a yeah. sleepover. Last night we had Jack over here. Also very fun. There was a few moments where it was a little touch and go where he was, he was contemplating wanting to go home, but he stayed and he was ended up waking up this morning feeling pretty proud of himself. Yeah. I'm so glad. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's kind of funny because my first, and he's my firstborn, you know? So like, I think that I just, I'm overprotective of him and I'm trying to like pull away from that a little bit so he can get some more independence. And my first gut reaction when he told me he wanted to come home was like, I'm going to go get him. And I was like, no, wait, wait, let him figure this out. Mm -hmm. And he, and he did. And he's like, so it was good. Yeah. It yeah. was really good. Good for both of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was fun. So yeah. So those boys have gotten a lot of time with each other. Mm -hmm. um, so now there's lots of, laying around on the couch saying that they want to go back to the lake, but I don't know if anybody's got it in them today to go back to the lake. It was a big day yesterday. So I'm not sure that anybody has that sort of energy. <laughs> and my husband asked for three hours of alone time today. So that's where his energy is at today. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yes, he will get it. He will get it. Now, is this like alone time or is it like family time with nothing else going on? No, it's, it's alone time. So he actually, the other day he, um, was telling me about, he, like he, he, he and I are very different. So he like, he likes to really like think and go really deep and he can only do that if <coughs> every other distraction is cleared, right. which having three small kids at home, that's you like know, impossible. That's not a, in your head kind of space, <laughs> so, right. but he actually asked for that specifically to have some time to like get in his own head. He's got some, um, he's got some goals for himself that he has been sort of sidelining because of how busy we are sidelining because of how busy we've been. So he's wanting to like take some dedicated time to, to do that. So, and I'm happy to give it to him. Yeah. That's really cool. Now yeah. that'll be fun. Mm -hmm. I love those kind of talks The like talks about like, what we're going to do in the future and how we're going to grow this thing. And like, I, I just love that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So that should be really fun. Um, so today I am going to be interviewing Jill and talking with her about her relationship with her body and sort of the journey that she's been on so that you really know, like eventually how both of us have arrived where we are today in our approach with our training and um, our approach with our nutrition clients as well. Yes. So, so Jill, welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so excited to be here <laughs> every week. <Right. laughs> 
<laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do. Yes. Well, my name is Jill. <laughs> ah! Oh my God. I'm a co-owner of Push Fitness with Cara. Mm -hmm. And let's see. So my, uh, my journey into my current work life has been kind of interesting because I started off in retail and um, <laughs> funny thing, I'm not really a people person, but I'm going to come back to this. I'm not really a people person. So when I got to work graveyards, it was like the best because I didn't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> and I had my MP3 player, which was like, just like bitching for the times. It's, <laughs> it was great. But then um, I then I landed into working as an alcohol and drug counselor, which was also very interesting because I was very, very shy for the longest time. And I got thrown into this position where like I had to get to know a, quite a diverse group of people very quickly. And so the shyness just kind of left the building. So I, I credit that job for becoming the person that I am today. There's a lot of cool stuff that I learned about myself. Anyway, while I was there, I got into working out and I decided that I wanted to be a trainer. So um, that's sort of what led me to um being here, uh, Car and I both worked at a big uh, box gym, and um, she was my trainer. And because I mm -hmm. decided that I wanted to learn from a trainer to become a trainer, mm -hmm. and I got randomly assigned to Cara, but I don't think it's that random because the universe knew what it was doing. It was fate. It was fate that brought us together. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then we quit that job and started our own business. And mm -hmm. it's so like, it's so interesting to think of like how I thought of our business then versus now. Yes. Um, because right now it's like, it's so real and very sustainable and it's like, it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, then it was like, Oh, we're just going to kind of do this thing. We'll kind of see where it goes. And there were mm -hmm. definitely some times where we're like, oh, we're done. Let's just cut it. Mm -hmm. And we didn't, we stuck with it. We've been in business um, for what? Uh, five, uh, six years. Mm-hmm six years now we made it past that five-year mark we did we did and we're really like uh we've really caught our stride so it's been really really fun to look back on that and see how that's grown along the journey i met my husband sam who i've been married to for almost seven years now and we have three kids um at this moment in time that we're recording they are one three and five and yeah so that's me <laughs> that's awesome yeah yeah, that's quite a journey. Um, so let's talk about another journey that you've been on. Uh, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your body growing up. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this question and I was trying to determine like a pivot point for me where I was really aware of what my body looked like. Mm -hmm. And I can't quite, um, I can't quite pinpoint it but there's a very distinct memory that I have of um, my siblings. So I'm one of four. I'm the second oldest. I have an older brother, a younger brother, and a younger sister. And genetically speaking, um, they are all very naturally thin. And I am not <laughs> very naturally thin. So um, there, was, there was a period of time where um, we they would joke about the fact that I must have been adopted because I was bigger than everybody else oh. because I have freckles and they don't because I have hazel eyes and they don't. Um, and it was like, you know, to them very funny, but not, not to me. Right. 
That and must have been painful. It, it was terrible, right? So it was terrible. And I remember specifically, like, um, when my parents were married, they got divorced when I was about 17. When they were married, we used to go to Izzy's Buffet every Father's Day and Mother's Day. That's where we went, Izzy's Buffet. And I remember specifically my older brother saying to me when we got there, he said, remember, it's all you can eat, not can you eat all. And that, like, I've never forgotten that ever. Those kind of things just sort of just stick with you, right? Mm -hmm. Like those, like just one comment that just sort of digs into your soul. And <laughs> yes. And what was food like in your household growing up? Like what was, was there, did anybody have hangups with food? Was it widely available? Like what? Yeah. Uh, no one really had any hangups with food, which is interesting because my mom really has hangups with food now. Mm. Um, and I think the reason for that is because, you know, during her thirties and forties and, and fifties, um, she had what Western society would classify as the ideal body. Sure. So she could eat whatever she wanted and it wasn't going to change the way that she looked. And then she became mentally ill and started taking some medications that were affecting her weight. And now it's like her relationship with food is just really, really problematic. Mm -hmm. um, so it's interesting to me that my brothers and sister, well, not so much my younger siblings, because they were pretty young when this all happened, but my older brother kind of hanging on to the fact that I was bigger. Um, I really don't know where that came from for him, because I don't remember my parents like talking about their own bodies, mm -hmm. let alone ours, and like shaming me for my difference in size. Right. Um, sometimes your parents don't even need to do that, that, you know, even like if they had thin privilege or your mom right. had thin privilege, she was probably on some level aware of that, but you know, society does a great job at shaming. Right. 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 <laughs> yes. So I think that like when I first became aware of my body being larger was when I got to uh, college. That's okay. really when things like, that's when it started to look different for me. Um, Cause in high school, like, okay. I was a major nerd and nobody really talked to me. So <laughs> I didn't really have people like making fun of like my body or anything or like drawing attention to it because I usually like throughout like grades seven through 12, I had like one friend that was like each year I had one friend and we never really talked about that kind of stuff, which is interesting because mm -hmm. that's when it starts for a lot of people. Yeah. What um, a gift in a lot of ways that you had those years to just develop friendships in the absence of um, obsession over your body. Right. It was, and it's not like I, it's not like I wasn't aware that that was a thing, but I just don't remember like a time where I really um, was overly concerned about my body at that point. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it definitely came on later um, and with a whoosh. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, there was a, in college, there was a, um, a boyfriend that I had who, who was really thin, like, like sick thin and I'm not. So I remember specifically this one time when one of his friends just blurted out, like, you're too big for him. And I was like, Oh shit, am I fat? Right. I didn't know this. And then I was like, Oh, I am, I am like, and so Aww. I, you know, became very aware of what my body looked like after that comment. It's so funny. Like 
I don't even like this guy. Like I haven't seen him, not the boyfriend, but the guy who made the comment. Like I haven't seen him in probably you know 20 years or something. But I remember that. Mm-hmm. I remember that exact comment and where we were and what I was wearing and everything. Sure. Yeah. Um. So you know that like, that whole idea is really interesting. I found myself having this this sort of internal war with myself in this way the other day, because I live in a larger body and my husband, as we've talked before, lives in like more of an ideal body. And we were talking about something like we were going to have some kind of social interaction with someone that we don't normally hang out with. And I had this thought, I wonder if they're going to feel sorry for him because Mm -hmm. he's with me instead of being with someone who's in an ideal body to match his quote unquote, ideal body. Yeah. And I was like, Cara, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it's one of those things like you catch yourself, like you think you've made it to a certain point with your, your work on body image. And then like that little voice in your head is like, uh-uh, fatso. So yeah. Yeah, it's very pervasive. It shows up when you least expect it sometimes. Yeah. I think that, you know, especially with the pandemic um, and not seeing people for a long time, like I've had that same experience where I'm like, oh, they're going to notice how much bigger I've gotten since they saw me Mm -hmm. last. And like, there's that little voice in my head, like, who cares? Right. (laughs) Like, right. It's a privilege to gain weight in the pandemic. Like it means that you're like able to at least have some coping mechanisms and you are able to use food for it. And that when you feel stressed, your body reacts appropriately. Like, (laughs) so, okay. So tell me about what happened from college. So did your, your relationship with your body, did it, did it change in college because of these specific comments or was it something, was it more than that? Um, I mean, yeah. So there's, this is, this is twofold because I also grew up in a very conservative Christian home mm-hmm. and, you know, conservative Christians, um, are really, uh, they really stick to the idea of, um, the idea of purity and that you should save yourself for marriage sort of thing. So I think I was just a little bit conflicted, um, not a little bit, a lot conflicted about like, about my body in general. It was like, I wasn't allowed to like experience pleasure of any sort, or if I did, I was like being bad. And I think that that kind of mirrored itself in the way that I um, approached food and exercise because I was like, well, I'm good. If I have this, I'm bad. If I have that. And like, God, I remember in college, um, there was uh Tybo was a big thing. Then. Oh yeah. Billy Blanks, Billy Blanks baby. right? <laughs> Billy Blanks is in your town. Oh <laughs> and you know why I know that so well? Cause I did that stupid video every single day. I loved that video. Sometimes twice a day. Twice? Yes. 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 Because if I had something extra to eat, I had to burn it off. Right. So it was just like, it was not just because I enjoyed it, which I did, but it wasn't only because I enjoyed it. I did it when I didn't feel like it because I thought I had to, to try to stay at the size I was and, or get smaller. Right. Like pay penance, Mm -hmm. right? Pay penance. Yep. That's the, and that kind of links back to that purity culture thing too, is Mm -hmm. like, if you are, if you've been bad, you need to, you know, you need to, you know, do your rosaries or 
<laughs> rosaries, rosaries are Catholic. Okay. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. <laughs> your mom, my saying. mom is shaking her head. She's like, you don't know. <laughs> Relig- religion 101. Come to me for all the info. <laughs> gotten in a long time she's out here doing yard work and she doesn't listen to our podcast so we can't say anything about her today yeah we can't, we can't do a here. mom story today just <laughs> about my mom <laughs> so okay so you were starting to have like you were like having probably very natural normal feelings in your body where you wanted to experience pleasure whether it was through food or sex or exercise or whatever it is and you were like telling yourself no this is not good this is bad and you're getting these external messages from your boyfriend's dick friend (laughs) who was telling you I'm sure he's listening to this and we'll call to apologize I hope so (laughs) yes you owe Jill an apology mister he does we and I liked that baby blue turtleneck, so kiss my ass. Right? <laughs> right? You do. Like, those kind of comments are, like, seared into your memory. I remember the first time that someone made a comment about my body. We'll probably talk about it when you interview me. Yes, we will. But, we, but like, I, give us a preview. I remember, like, just that exact moment. And, like, like right, like, where I was, what I was wearing, like, the initial, like, that pit in my stomach just... Boom. Yeah. My world was different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and those kind of things can happen once or many times throughout your life. Yeah. But those, but there are certain ones where you're like, oh yeah. And then I just, and then I started on this different thing. Like I did that. And then I started this journey into dieting or mm-hmm. over-exercising or both. Yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. So, you know, college was a confusing time yeah. <laughs> because I also went to a Christian college Mm-hmm. So there were like, there were many, um, actual contractual rules to follow within, um, mm-hmm. that university. Um, <laughs> sorry. So what? I'm just thinking about, about your creative loopholes with the, <laughs> Oh my God. You did not say that this would be part of the interview. Well, let's just say I... that Jill is very creative <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. She's going to be very surprised. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, well, and that's the thing is like that. And that, that really like brings up a really good point that shame does not work. (laughs) It doesn't work because, you know, there's, there's a couple of things like, okay people who went to Christian colleges, we, there was this joke, uh, two jokes. There was that a woman was going to Christian college to get her MRS degree, Mrs. Degree. And that it's a ring by spring or your money back. Like, oh those my are God. The, yeah. So those are like the two like things. And, and the main reason is because, you know, conservative Christians grow up, uh, believing that they cannot have sex until they get married. 
and then they just get married young so they can have sex and then they end up with a really painful divorce and sometimes kids because they got married too early it's happened a lot um i know a lot of my uh, classmates who have gone through that yeah so yeah yes yeah anyway so yes and it it, it, you think about how it kind of ties into um to diet culture and food as well that like you're the like you figure out ways like your body figures out ways to get what it needs so yes if you're restrict 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 your body figures out a way to get you the food like you binge you have like terrible cravings until you give in you you know like every we all think oh our willpower sucks or i'm just a slut and i'm bad and it's no like the, you're you're giving your, yourself your body your mind your psyche your soul whatever it is you're giving it what it what it needs and we were made for all this right right, right. um so okay so talk to me about what happened from there like was there a point where there was a shift i mean i know there was because i know you but but tell us about it. <laughs> okay, so I'll. Okay, so there was a couple of things. Um, there was a time when so it was post college. I was um, not doing at all what my degree was for. So this was when I was at um, working as a counselor at the alcohol and drug center. Um, I decided that I needed to lose weight and I needed to lose it quickly. So I you know, basically starved myself and weighed myself every single week at the same time and got down to a size that was um, pretty skeletal looking. Mm -hmm. Um, You can see my spine through my shirt sort of thing. And I remember um, also coexisting with that was these big mental health problems where I was having some really severe anxiety and panic attacks. Like, Like, I'm talking like I drove to work one time and I, I literally couldn't work because I was so panicky. Like, I remember driving there and um, I couldn't figure out why my car wouldn't stop. It's because I didn't have it in park and I was on a hill. And then I looked at my schedule and it just burst into tears. And I was just paralyzed with this, this anxiety. And I talked to one of our um, psychiatric nurse practitioners on staff there. And she said you know that you're starving yourself, right? And in my head, I was like, no, I'm not. I'm still eating. But I was like, barely eating. Right. So that was my first, um, after that was my first sort of like call out, which was great because I needed it. And I got myself into therapy and it was really great. Um, Oh, I'm so lucky that you had her. mm -hmm. Because so many of us, you know, can go through so much so many years without even realizing what <laughs> sorry my mom's distracting me again your mom's doing like she's she's, <laughs> she's resting her back well, i thought she was like gonna gonna be miss well, you're, june you're resting your back and looking good mom yeah we got <laughs> I mean, what is a podcast if you can't heckle your own mom while you're doing it? <laughs> so, so, so anyway, but, but so like, like think of what could have happened to your health, to your mental state, if you hadn't had somebody there that was like, Hey, Jill, like you, like 
you could be having some of these issues because you're just not feeding yourself. Mm -hmm. And because of diet culture there, we really don't understand like how, what we think of as just a diet is really disordered eating. It's an eating disorder, but because we're getting the results that, you know, are so prized, we're getting the smaller body, we're getting positive attention. Like rarely do we get anybody that's like, Hey, are you okay? Like this, this might not be okay for you. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. And they were like watching it happen because they would see how I like, cause we were, we weren't allowed to bring food onto the um, site for various reasons. Um, and so we'd eat lunch there when we were there and people watched me like, you know, sparse up my food, whatever um, mm-hmm. ways that I was going to eat it. So they were watching it happen before their eyes. And I'm so glad that somebody said something. Um, somebody that I respect and trust said something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was when I first started seeing my counselor who I still see now. Um, And so, yeah, so there, so there was that. So let's talk more about this shift, right? So I had that biggest experience, got five days off of work, which was great. (laughs) Good for you. Changed jobs. (laughs) So, so anyway, while I was there, I mentioned earlier, while I was there, I decided that I wanted to um, become a personal trainer Part of that shift to become a personal trainer was when um, my disordered eating patterns were pointed out to me. And I was like, well, now I'm not going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on being strong, right? So, so it was still, it was still, my worth was still wrapped around my body, mm-hmm. just in a different way, healthier way, maybe, you know, in mm-hmm. some ways, in some ways not. Um but, uh, but yeah, so that was when, when I did that, but then I had, then I had another problem because diet culture was telling me to be a trainer. I had to be thin. Yep. And so I felt this immense amount of pressure to look a certain way mm-hmm. and it just, it wasn't working for me. Yeah. <laughs> I have a funny story about this. Cause you know, like we've talked a lot about how like you trained with me uh-huh. initially as, when, as you were learning to be a trainer and um, like how that was this fateful moment. So my first memory of you, when I first started working with you as a trainer was she's too skinny for me to train. Like I'm, or, or, or conversely, I'm too fat to teach her anything Mm. because I was wrapping up my whole worth and what I looked like, regardless of the fact that like, I, we actually went over like how to train people, you know, like mm-hmm. the main lifts and how to teach people the main lifts and how to put a really kick-ass program together for someone and, you know, things like that. But <clears throat> when I first saw you, my first thought was like, why is she coming to me? She's skinny, mm-hmm. which, you know, like I wasn't like a hundred percent bought into that, but that's that like, yeah. Like yeah. that bitch inside myself that mm-hmm. I was talking about that was like, Hey fatso. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 And it was so interesting is I remember meeting you for the first time mm-hmm. and I not once, not once thought about what your body looked like. Yeah. Which is interesting because mm-hmm. like some people do, but I don't, I don't remember mm-hmm. um, thinking about that. I do remember feeling embarrassed because I had what I called at the time glamour muscles, which means they look good, right. but they don't do anything. Right. And I do remember you putting me through a, a movement screen. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so weak. This is embarrassing. <laughs> Wait, <really? laughs> 
So, but yeah, so, you know, fast forward to today, like we, we could talk about this all day. So fast forward to today, um, I think the shift for me from um, working on my relationship with food and breaking up with the diet industry, it's definitely been gradual. Um, mm-hmm. Having kids has helped that um, because there you, there's a certain amount that you can't control when it comes to pregnancy and postpartum mm-hmm. and the way that you look. Um, and there's also so much, I mean, so many F's you have to give in a day. Right. <laughs> and, and sometimes like it just, my energy just did not feel well served trying to restrict and over-exercise as opposed to just eating whatever I want and play with my kids. Um, but really it's more than that. Like, I think that for me, breaking up with the um, diet industry and I'm still doing it, mm-hmm. um, it, it really happened during the big social justice uprising when George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I actually like did the work and like, I mean, I am doing the work. I'm not an expert or anything, but like, took a look at the bigger picture and where all of these ideas came from in the first place. Mm-hmm. And once I recognized that diet culture was wrapped up in patriarchy and white supremacy and capitalism and all that stuff, I was like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not supporting that. Yeah. And it just like, the more you open your eyes to it, the more, the more you can't help but see like, this mm-hmm. is really fucked up. Yeah. I feel, I feel very similarly. Like, there were all these red flags along the way where, and we had been talking for a long time about body image and body acceptance and health at every size. But uh, George Floyd was like that last nail in the coffin. It was like, no, I don't stand for any of this stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, and, 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 and when we promote weight loss programs or things like that, we are supporting a system that was built off of racism. Yes. And I just, can't and I'm we we won't do that anymore um and really when you then when you start looking at the research it's like holy shit it's not even healthy to do this stuff yep and it's like (laughs) it's not healthy to do this stuff and Mm -hmm. the evidence supports that and yet Mm-hmm. people continue people still do it to do it yeah mm-hmm. and, you know and they might be dealing with their own bitch inside their themselves saying hey fatso you know like we're all on our own process um but what we hope to be doing is to give people more and more information so that they can start telling that little voice to shut up yep. <laughs> and and sort of you know kind of have their own journey so Talk to me about how this shift changed your diets and workouts over the years. Sure. So I, uh, I'm also a recovering perfectionist, which Mm -hmm. also patriarchy, (laughs) patriarchy, right? So, um, (laughs) so there was a time where it was like, if it's on the paper, I'm doing it. Like, I don't care how I feel. Mm -hmm. Once I recognized that, um, that Mm -hmm. I didn't have to restrict my food intake and I didn't have to work out a certain way. There really was a lot of freedom in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I kind of, when I give up that um, restriction, it actually makes me less likely to binge <laughs> because, because yep. I don't have that fear of missing out. Yeah. Um, with workouts, like it's so interesting because I thought to myself, I have another like moment where I 
I think I told you about this before, but I was at, I was a part of a summer workout program and um, I wasn't leading it, but I was a participant. And I remember going to this gym. Um, this person was hosting us at his gym and he had one of those um, BMI, like handheld electric things uh-huh. that are just total BS. Um, and he knew that I was a trainer. I was a trainer at the time. And he was like, come on, Jill, you're a trainer. You have to work out like X number of days. If you want to make any gains, you're just maintaining. And I'm like, Oh my God, that stuck with me. And then I was like, I, so anyway, all that to say how I work out now is I work out because I enjoy it. And if I don't like something, I just change it, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is huge for me. It sounds so silly to say it. But that's huge for me to just be like, you know, I'm not doing that because I want to. Yeah. And what a way to honor your body. Like there's, it's, you know, if, like for you listening, if you have like specific fitness goals that you're working towards and you might need to sort of follow a program, but for, for someone who probably has followed a program for so long, mm-hmm. there is like such freedom in being like, this is what my body feels like today. This is what I feel capable of. <clears throat> this is the pleasure that I'm seeking this is where I'm finding enjoyment. This is what feels good. I'm avoiding pain in these ways. Like all of that can be really, really, really powerful. And um, so, and you know, sometimes it can be nice when you're on this journey and it, very important when you're on this journey to not have super specific fitness goals because it can help you get out of your head while you're sort of healing that relationship with your body. Right. I think that's where I've landed like up to date, like today, that's where I've landed is kind of just listening to my body and kind of figuring out what feels the best to me um, without any specific goals in mind at this moment, just to like, let myself feel that freedom mm-hmm. while I'm healing this relationship with food and, and, and my body. Okay, yeah. So there's a question that I've been dying to ask you. So you don't cook. No. In fact, it was one of your requirements correct in finding a husband was finding someone who would do the cooking because you just do not like it. So I've been really curious as to how that works with intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the journey that I'm on is up. I mean, obviously all of us are on different journeys is that, you know, you crave something mm-hmm. and you eat it. And there's a period of time where you just sort of let yourself do that and allow yourself to heal your relationship with your body. So do you have, how does that work? Like, do you have cravings that you're able to satisfy or that you're not able to satisfy because you're not like preparing the food yourself? And like, yeah, actually, um, my husband, um, my husband often prepares things for me that he doesn't eat. And that hasn't always been the case. Um, because when we first met, well, this is another podcast. When we first met, I was <laughs> I was vegetarian. And oh, yeah, God, we forgot to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> when we first met, I was vegetarian. And then um I ended up uh choosing to eat meat again. Um and he uh he's he eats basically paleo because he has an autoimmune disorder where certain foods, two in particular, really, really trigger his symptoms. So I, you know, because he cooks, I eat what he eats, right? Mm-hmm. So I, there's a part of me that got used to eating that way. 
um, and became intolerant to some things myself just because I hadn't had it that long. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I still cannot have without having symptoms is um, regular uh, cow's milk. Mm-hmm. like in ice cream or like in coffees and stuff. I can't do it. Otherwise everybody suffers. And we really do. You know, <laughs> yes, you know. Do. so <laughs> anyway, so there's that, but yeah, actually like he, um, I think that shift happened when I was pregnant with my oldest. Oh, the bean burritos. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell them about that. Yes. So <laughs> We had, you know, the whole time we had been together, I didn't have any grains, uh, hardly any dairy, uh, no legumes, no, um, not a lot of refined sugar. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and that's due to my husband's, um, dietary needs, but I got, got used to that as well. And I remember him like, kind of think like saying like, oh, you know, you're going to have a paleo pregnancy. That'll be so great for the baby and all this stuff because, you know, we didn't know that what we know now. Right. So don't jump on them just yet, everybody. Right. We we were saying the same stuff ourselves. We were. He figured it out. But I couldn't, I did not want to eat anything else except for bean burritos from Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. Bean burrito, no onion, my pregnancy favorite from Taco Bell. I, yep. That was the only thing I wanted to eat. And it was the only thing I did eat for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I remember the process where he was like trying to get you the organic ones. Oh, and, like the healthy gross. ones. And, like, <laughs> super, like, super, like wheat tortillas and stuff. And I remember seeing that and like the look on your face. And you're like, this is not it. This is not the thing that the baby wants. Right? <laughs> Yes. I, there were times that I flat out cried because it wasn't the right burrito. I did that with tomato soup too. I was like, this is not the tomato soup I wanted. Right. <laughs> give me the Campbell stuff out of the can. Right. Like, <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I think that's when his shift happened. He's like, okay, she can and wants things that I can't have. Mm-hmm. Right. And he became very quickly. Okay. With that, we are still married. So we're good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So he actually, if I'm, if I'm craving something in particular, he'll, he'll make it for me or he'll go get it. That's awesome. So it's been like a, like a communication thing between Mm -hmm. the two of you. So if you're like, Hey, I've been sort of feeling like it's that even he'll still do the cooking, but yes. And I, I recognize, I recognize my privilege here. And that the fact that I never have to cook ever and so much so that I really like, I don't really remember how. <laughs> like, what does this knob do? <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which, so I mentioned earlier that we had Oliver over for a sleepover mm-hmm. and um, Sam had to go to work for a few hours in the morning. And just to prove that a I can cook some things or at least heat them up, and two I was feeding her child while Sam was absent. <laughs> I sent her a picture of Oliver eating scrambled eggs, ham, and oranges. Yeah, it was like this cute little like meal on a plate and all this stuff. And you know what I fed her son? A donut. <laughs> And Totino's. And Totino's pizza. Which apparently he really likes. He loved them. I don't know. So I was, I kept bringing up Totino's yesterday and my husband was like, oh God, like he, I think that he just really wanted like a salad or something. Um, not just a salad, but like he just, something he, different. He, his body was craving something 
quote unquote healthier or at least fresher or not as processed. Um, but I, I just associate Totino's with sleepovers. Mm-hmm. And so this fact that this whole weekend has been like this big sleepover weekend with these two boys, I'm like, they have to have pizza rolls. And so it's like, okay, get, get the pizza rolls and some cottage cheese, put a little dollop of cottage cheese on that pizza roll, eat it. And it'll taste like lasagna. It'll be great. <laughs> and he did. That in the salad last night. Oh, and the boys ate those pizza rolls. Oh my gosh. So, yes. Um, so how did like when you decided to make this shift, how did it affect your relationships? So, yes, that's an interesting question. Um it's it's kind of it's kind of an interesting uh flip because when I was like dieting, I felt like the odd person out because I was trying to restrict or I was trying to hide that I ate certain things in front of other people. Right. Um, and now I still feel like I'm on the outside because I'm the only one not dieting. Right. And like there actually was some camaraderie there. Right. Where like everybody was like, oh, I'm not eating sugar now, or I'm on the whole 30, or I, you know, whatever yeah. it is that they're doing. I'm I'm doing a lifestyle change. And yeah, like I eat whatever I want. <laughs> I did say that, and I think I got a few uh eyebrows up for that one. But uh, you know, it all worked out in the end. But I like it's just <sighs> It's interesting because I, I don't feel like it's so easy to recognize now in other people mm-hmm. because I was there for so long and now I'm not um, participating in that actively. And so um, I feel like I have a harder time being my most authentic self with people who aren't also um, in that space. Yeah. I think it like one of the things that can be so helpful when you're on this journey is finding other people who are doing this because it can feel really lonely mm-hmm. and isolating. Like everybody is dieting except for you. And mm-hmm. if you're not, does that mean that you're a bad person or does that mean that you're not, you know, doing the right thing? And um, so finding other people who aren't, but then you still have all of these friendships and relationships with people who are still in it mm-hmm. and how to navigate that where we can all respect each other's boundaries too. Yeah. Yeah. I remember recently I went to the coast with, um, with my stepmom and my sister and my stepmom and I were having a really great conversation about diets and diet culture, um, on the way back to town. And she like, she's like, yeah, I wish that I would have had somebody tell me what you're saying right now growing up. And I was like, that's awesome that she like Mm -hmm. recognized that and she still struggles with it too, you know? And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, we all, we all do to some degree, Um, but it takes a conscious effort, I think, to like recognize it and decide which way you're going to react to it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And has it changed the way that you work with your clients? Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Back, back when I was immersed in diet culture, Um, the assumption was on my part, the assumption was everybody who came to me wanted to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And if I helped them lose a bunch of weight, that I was a successful trainer. Yep. Therefore that's what I do. And I also had the, um, 
no pain, no gain mentality. Like uh-huh. if you're throwing up, then it was a great workout, you know, kind of thing, which now <laughs> just makes me like, makes me want to throw up right. thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So it really did change. Um, the, it, it's changed the way that I coach my clients now because it's just from such a different place. Mm-hmm. Like, cause you know, some of our, a lot of our clients are also like dealing with diet culture and they know where we stand on all this stuff. So it's, it's not like they're taken by surprise by it, but, um, it's really interesting to like the way that I approach clients now, like I ask them their goals, but I really, really listen. Mm-hmm. And I don't make an assumption about what any certain thing means to them. Like if they say, you know, I really want to lose the baby weight, then we talk about that. We talk mm-hmm. about like, you know, what do you, um, what would you imagine your life would, would be like if you didn't have this baby weight and really get to like the bottom of like why they're wanting to lose weight. Cause quite mm-hmm. often it's not about losing weight. It's about feeling better in their bodies. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, improving their overall quality of life in some capacity that usually doesn't have anything to do with the number on the scale. Yeah. So um, really like I, d- I dig deeper now. Yeah. And that's so powerful. I mean, just, I can imagine what a difference that would have made for me after my first pregnancy to be, go to someone and feel so seen mm-hmm. and not just at the surface level, but to be seen down to like what that will really mean for my life. And what I'm really looking for, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of, a lot of it, like a lot of diet culture really boils down to acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? Like we just, we just want to be accepted in this society and, and we're convinced that that can't happen in the bodies that we have now. Right. And what if we could feel better in our bodies and just, just know and trust that we will find people that accept us for who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think too, like uh, hearing you say that when you, uh, it boils down to acceptance, I think the other aspect of that too, is that um, diet culture diets are so rigid. Yes. And that's, that's how I used to train people too. I was so rigid. Mm-hmm. Like there was a correct program to do regardless of what your body was capable of, we're going to make you do this thing. And I don't do that anymore either. Like Mm -hmm. I really lean into like, what do you enjoy doing? And like, Oh, you don't like, you don't like kettlebell swings. Okay. We're not going to do those. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just find something else to do. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a shift too. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. Cause then you end up like making people into more like lifelong exercisers that Mm -hmm. way too, because you can help them find things they actually like to do. Mm -hmm. And you're not trying being like, well, this is what the program says. And (laughs) right. Like that screen that I put you through in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. I don't even do that screen that often anymore Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's kind of ableist. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was developed by a white man on a bunch of other white people, not really anybody in a bigger body. And so there's some of the parts of the screen that like, sure, like it's good to know how someone moves and if someone has pain and if there's any asymmetries from side to side. Um, But to have a score. Yeah. I don't score anymore either. Yeah. And to, um, and to try to put everybody into certain positions and shapes, right? Not everybody's body goes in those positions and shapes. And, and then just to say, well, that's the goal right? to get you to where you can do that. Or it's like, oh, well, you would be able to do this one if your belly wasn't getting in the way. 
I'm not putting someone in a position like that if there's a chance that their belly is going to get in the way because it's just not right. Like exactly, <laughs> exactly. And and in the way that we describe it too, like I think that that's changed some. Like we're like in this position, like we're just looking to see what your spine's doing here, mm-hmm. you know, and just make it very neutral. And and that's what we're doing really. Like mm-hmm. we are taking a look at how the body moves globally with those screens. But yeah, I've changed. I, there's some that I just flat out skip. I don't, I don't score. I haven't scored in a long time. Yeah. But yeah. So is there anything else that you want us to know about your journey? Oh, um, gotta, I'm going to come up with something really, really great. Let's see. <laughs> or I could even rephrase that. If you could go back and tell college Jill anything (laughs) what would you tell her uh I think that if I could have a um a face-to-face with college Jill have a few minutes to talk it out I would say in 10 years from now, you're not going to care about this thing. You're not going to care about following these rules. You're going to realize that you wasted too much time trying to be perfect and just do what you want to do. Right. You're worthy college Jill. And that guy was a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Probably still is. Right. Probably still is. There's a chance. Gosh, but yes, I've never talked about myself for so long. I oh, love it. God. I love it. It's your turn. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm used to it. Like I said, I you're like, not. I'm just not in this capacity. This no. is like. <laughs> no, yeah. Ne- next next week, we are going to go deep on Kara. Yes. And we're well. not talking about the loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> or are we? Tune right. in to find out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sign up for our Patreon. Yes. That's the bonus content you right. never knew you needed. It's like OnlyFans, but in our Patreon. Right. Right. So, yeah. So that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the Push Podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a review. The more subscriptions and reviews that we get, the more visibility we get, and the more easily we can find more listeners just like you. Also, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash pushfitness to learn more about how to become a supporter and all the freebies that you get along with it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. Bye. Until next time. Bye.